You have entered the Create Unknown, in which Chad details doing literally anything for views. He got iDub's face and PewDiePie's logo tattooed on his buttocks. He's eaten Filthy Frank's human cake. And Cold Ones is the most popular entertaining talk show on YouTube. But behind that shock persona is a sharp, analytical business mind. So listen up as we reveal the paradoxical duality of the Chad. And if you like what we do here, check us out on Patreon. The link's in the description. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Joining us right now at this very moment from the other side of planet Earth is Chad, a.k.a. Anything for Views, a.k.a. co-host of the Cold Ones podcast. Chad, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, you were extremely late to this recording, and I'd love <laughs> for you to detail all of the steps that, that led you to being half an hour late for our recording? Um, I woke up like on time and I, I don't know, I've been sleeping real funny because of quarantine. Like I've been taking like three, four hour sporadic naps and because of it, I've been getting like weird morning sickness. So um, I, had so I had some toast and I had a banana and then I needed to throw up. So I spent like 20 minutes throwing up. <laughs> So, and then I, and then I finished throwing up and I went and had more toast and another banana, but I feel great now. Is that negging, Kevin? I, did you, did you start uh, with a guest with, with negging? I don't know. What's a little negging? bit of shaming is, happened is there. That, is that, you know, like, is that some giving somebody that? a hard time? Like, do you remember the, the dating gurus uh, where it's like, oh, you've got to make fun of a girl a little bit to get her to like you. Do you remember those like hucksters selling those kinds of systems online? That's yeah. That's where I learned everything that I know about interviewing, about relationships. <laughs> <laughs> it's from hucksters. <laughs> to be fair, I did wake up this morning. I sent him a pitch, and I was like, "Tell me I'm sexy," and he said I was cute. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it works, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does work, and I'm gonna roll straight into something else negative. Some more more negging, uh, Matt and Chad. <laughs> sorry, but Chad, you uh, made a vlog from L.A. Uh, somewhat mm -hmm. recently that was super entertaining involved you drinking out of a found mcdonald's cup poten <laughs> potentially shaking some like mysterious perfume off of a mcdonald's sign but that's not what i wanted to ask you at one point while you were enjoying a nice you know polynesian cocktail at a tiki bar you mentioned that you hate 90 percent of youtubers <laughs> is that oh, true or are, you, are you just being are you just being silly um like, I think I don't like, fuck, how do I say this without getting in trouble? Um, no, I actually, I don't, I, I don't like a lot of YouTubers, no. I, um, as Max, my friend Max would always say that I'm just like a blanket of negativity towards other people. Um, but he just seems to only focus on the people I hate and not on the people I like. But I don't know, like, when you have, whenever you think of YouTubers, the first thing that comes to your mind is like Jake Paul or Logan Paul or Rice Gum and stuff like that. All these big, like, YouTubers that, not necessarily have as many subs, but they're always getting covered by the media. 
So those are the people I hate. Those are like the YouTubers that I hate because they paint us in such a negative light. And recently a really bad one was um Vitalis. And he's an OG mm. YouTuber, a very old school YouTuber. And he recently he just, just got, got arrested, didn't he? Yeah, for assault. And I just remember yeah. like all the media was painted as like YouTube prank gone wrong and stuff like that. And I just thought like, man, that makes us all look bad. Because it's labeled as a prank, and in reality, he's just a psychopath, and he allegedly <laughs> assaulted a woman. So that's that was when I, when I say I hate ninety percent of YouTubers. That's like the YouTubers I'm referring to. Well, who's the ten percent that you like? Like, what what qualifies a YouTuber to be in that top ten percent for you? Um, I know just like real people that don't do it for the money, don't do it for the fame, just the people that are like doing it because they enjoy it and you can tell if someone enjoys it or not or someone that's doing it just because they have to um but a lot of people that i associate with are people that i will get together with and i'll talk with about videos and stuff like that and never at any point is it brought up like we should do this for money or this will get us a lot of attraction no it's the people that i usually like are the people that are like let's do this it will be funny it might not get a lot of views but it's funny what's been remarkable to to me is how many views are so many of these videos that you've made have gotten, though? Um, because it seems like, as you're describing it, it, it comes across that way exactly as you're describing it, where it's like, my friends and I had this ridiculous idea, we filmed it, we put it up on YouTube, and 99.999% of the time, when people do that, nobody's watching those videos, mm. right? <laughs> But like seriously, like just being honest, uh, usually people get together with their friends and they do crazy stuff and no one else is really interested. However, for you guys, it went remarkably well. And so many of the videos that you have have tens of millions of views. Yeah, I won't take a lot of credit for that. That was just people I was with the right place, right time. But yeah, like Max, George and Ian and all that. A lot of the times when we'd film stuff like that, it's just like, let's do something. Let's go out and film this. And it sounds stupid, but a lot of the times when we'd film it, I'd think in my head, and this is just me being a blanket of negativity again. And I still do it when we record stuff. I think in my head, it sucks. That's not funny. And then once it's on camera and it's edited, we're like, okay, this is funny. And... <laughs> A lot of it's like it's it's never scripted and it's always improv. I can't ima- I can't like even recently we filmed a video um that's not out yet but it will be soon. We filmed like a wish video where we went on wish and the idea was like we'll buy a bunch of like business uh not business beer stuff and drinking stuff. And we never ended up doing that. It turned into us ordering crack pipes and stuff to see if it would come <laughs> through the borders. And I get I get to the end of this video and we've opened up crack pipes like weird herbs off wish and stuff like that. I'm like how do we go from ordering beer cups to ordering just illegal garbage? And I was like, we can't make this into a video. This sucks. Um, and that's because we just did what at the time what we thought would be funny. We never stuck to any script or any idea that we originally had. And then it's all been put together. I've looked at the video. I'm like, okay, this is funny. And I think it would have been even more garbage if we had like stuck to some broad script that we wrote and stuck to what we were doing. Instead, we did what we enjoyed doing. We had fun and we just fucked around with it. And then we did it on camera and we put it together. I'm like, this is good. It might not get as many views as the original one, but we had more fun doing it and we think it's funnier. So I want to back up a little bit on this. Uh, if if there are seven people listening to this who who are unfamiliar with you, how I, I was thinking about how to describe your path over about five years, right? Um, can you just do it? Because <laughs> like your trajectory on YouTube has been uh, has, has bounced around. Uh, so how can you tell, uh, 
can you tell about, uh, you know, working with uh, those guys back in the past and what that led to now? Um, yeah, like uh, I was originally a fan of Max and I never had the idea of wanting to ever be a YouTuber, but I did like fucking around. Uh, I have like old videos that I used to film when I was 16, 17 from YouTube and stuff like that, just stuff that I used to do to have fun. I met Max, um, and it just it just went from there. I met a heap of other people. I went from doing videos with Max and stuff, and then everyone kind of went their separate ways. I wouldn't say separate ways, just like everyone grew up, you know? People bought houses, got girlfriends, moved into different careers, and stuff like that. Max and I stuck have stuck together for, for the most part just because we're both in the same country. But, you know, it's all easy when you're young and having fun, but then once you get older, you get loans, you get houses, you have rent, you have responsibilities, so you can't just be jumping on a plane and fucking around in another country. But we still film. I filmed a video recently with um, Ian for another friend's channel, uh, Boy in a Band. When that will come out, I have no idea. Um, so we all hang out. We still talk. But obviously, now that this is a job, we can't just like, oh, jump on a plane. We'll go film for this two weeks. We'll drink. We'll have fun. We're like, nah, we got to like, I got to stay home. I got to look after Mike. I have a dog now. I got a girlfriend and whatnot. So it's a bit different. Max um, is uh, Max Mofo for those who um, aren't familiar. And Ian is iDubs for those yeah. who aren't familiar. Um, and then from there, just, I don't know, like, uh, I went into streaming for a little bit. Um, so I was streaming on Twitch for a little bit. I went to doing videos with other YouTubers. I did some videos with Seer. I had a baited podcast with Keemstar, who's notoriously hated on the internet. Um, yeah, I just, I just kind of just fucking, and also I was younger than all the other guys. So once they all kind of domesticated and settled down and, you know, started being a little bit more adult, I started traveling. So I went to America, I went to Europe, and I met a bunch of other YouTubers and just kind of just got my footing to see what I really wanted to do. When you were talking about the process of making the funny video, this is something that Matt and I were literally just talking about recently, is not planning too much. Sometimes if you if you try to plan too much when you're creating something, you end up being unable to pivot. And really, you need that flexibility in order to kind of create the best thing possible. In your case, pivoting into wish crack pipes, which I need yeah. to ask. My my <laughs> wife um, <laughs> has used the Wish app a bunch in the past, right? And uh, I can assure you, without a shadow of a doubt, she has never searched for crack pipes. However, however... I can also tell you that I've seen crack pipes show up on the Wish app. Now, I didn't know we were going to get here on this podcast, but here we are. Why in the world are crack pipes showing up on the Wish app so with such prevalence? I feel like just because drug addicts know how to use the internet now, and you can order anything on the internet. Like, if you fucking... If you really look, you can order anything. Like, I'm I'm not kidding. You can order a fucking tiger if you want to. And wish being so easy, I wouldn't be surprised how many like people that legitimately smoke crack would order crack pipes off wish. <laughs> That's their wish. That, exactly. That, that, and do you I think the average the average Sorry. like crack user is is a crossover wish user? Like I don't I don't feel that people sitting around, you know, like the stoop passing the crack pipe are also on their phones playing around on Wish. Like, maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they are. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you. I don't know how many functioning crack addicts are in the world, but (laughs) I can't imagine that, you know, they wouldn't come. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know why they sell them. But, like, 
if we go on Wish and we're making a video, I'm going to see what the crack pipe quality is. I don't have any other crack pipes to compare it to, but the one that made it through customs seemed pretty high quality. Are you going to smoke crack out of it? No, we uh, we smoked frankincense out of the crack pipe. Okay. Frankincense that, rocks. It does. I, I have it uh, in my uh, oil diffuser. I like the the scent of frankincense in the morning, especially in the winter when it's nice and cold. Have you done it's, this, Kevin? Have you woken up on a snowy day and, and sniffed frankincense? No, no, I haven't. But I want to clarify. <laughs> are you saying frankincense, frankincense rocks as in it's good or frankincense rocks as in like frankincense in a rock like form? Chris, like crystal, crystal meth, crystal meth looking frankincense rocks. How, where do you where do you get that? Wish. <laughs> well, of course. Yes, of course. But why did I ask? What a dumb question. I was we I was literally know. we just searched like on Wish at some point like just broad term like drugs and it came up with like Chinese herbs <laughs> which was like green tea and then it was like frankincense rocks that looked like crack rocks so you know we 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 retarded but like you know we did it with the intention <laughs> of it's gonna be funny on camera did it do anything smoking no nah, no nah, it was it what it tastes like plastic and it gave me a sore chest it was. But I did it because I wanted to see if it looked funny on camera. But it must have smelled good. I mean, it the room must good. have smelled really nice. Yeah. It it did smell good. But, like, I'm not going to, like, wait for the police officers to show up and try to explain to them that it's frankincense and I'm smoking out of this crack pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your, your, your breath smelled heavenly. <laughs> I swear, officers, smell my breath, man. It's just frankincense. <laughs> it's like the frankincense and myrrh given to the the baby Jesus upon his birth. That's <laughs> all I think. <laughs> this is our this is our Bible study group, officer. <laughs> we just pass the frankincense pipe around. <laughs> but you, you mentioned, you know, not do not creating this stuff for the money. You guys have a really hard time with monetization, don't you? Like, do, do are any of your videos monetized at all? Oh, uh, we have so many problems with it. And, like, we've tried all the tips and tricks. And, like, we've reached out to other creators and stuff like that that have the problem. And they've all given us, like, you know, advice and things and precautions and steps to take. So, like, upload, wait till it's monetized. But, like, we have sponsors for the podcast because, like, talk show. It's a talk show, not a podcast. We have sponsors for the talk show. And... You know, obviously, there's deadlines for these things to come out, and monetization f- fucks views. Um, and there's times where we get away with it, and we upload a video, and it gets demonetized immediately because either the system picks up on a naughty word through the uh, the closed captions, or me drinking a beer. Who knows? If it gets demonetized, we submit it for review. Most of the time, if the video is unlisted, it gets denied. We just re-upload it with like some more censoring and some stuff we'll cut out, thinking maybe that's why we got demonetized will re-upload but it's like it's a three-day wait between each upload because you gotta wait one day for it get demonetized then you have to wait another two days for it to get reviewed Mm. and then there's times where like we have deadlines like we we have a deadline for a sponsorship nordvpn raid any of that and we're just like well we just have to upload it it's green now and it stays green for one day and then it goes yellow and we see that affects the views we submit it for review and it's always a 50 50 will it get approved will it not get approved so we have half our videos demonetized half our videos monetized and even the monetized ones the ads, the rates on them are just complete dog shit. And I think it's just because we swear in our videos. I'm not too sure how, like, you know, Susan over at YouTube headquarters selects who's getting what ads, but we don't make a lot from it. And thankfully, you know, we have a very nice Patreon backing 
And um, I have a little bit of a side gig where I do brand deals and stuff for my friends and I do them for myself. And so I've always, I've always, I always make sure the podcast has brand deals attached to it to pay for it because it's not cheap to make. Um, but yeah, it's funny as far as worrying about money goes, um, we're good. Like we're not counting our pennies. You know, I live in a nice apartment and stuff like that, but you know, we're not, we're not rice gum rich. <laughs> rice gum rich. And by the way, just to reinforce how committed Chad is to the sponsorships. I know that nobody can see this right now, but he has an IV drip going into his arm, pumping gamer sups directly into his veins. And he's got a gallon jug of more gamer sups that he keeps sipping from. I would actually have a big cup of gamer sups on my thing, but I drank the last one last night. So I need to go to the office and steal some tubs. Gamer sups <laughs> is uh gamer sups and cool shirts are our two like main sponsorships. So cool shirts um, is an Australian uh, owned company. Um, that I reached out to years ago. Um, and funny story, the guy that ha- owns and runs the clothing company, who pays us very well, mind you, so shout out to Scott, um, also edits, films, and produces all our content now. Because I originally met him and he was like, let's make some vids. And he's a very talented, like, he, he has a vision. Like, he has a vision for content. And he, he was just a, a diamond in the rough. Like, I, I, I met this guy... And we hit it off straight away and he 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 pitched the idea of a podcast to me and I was like, you take care of it and we'll see where it goes. I just said to him, like, I want it to be called Cold Ones. I want to get drunk with people and I want to talk about shit. And he produced and made the first episode and I was like, this is it. And he, he you know, he edits the vlogs on my vlogging channel as well and he travels with me in films. So not only has he become a really good friend of ours, he's like a very good business partner as well. So with the clothing stuff. It, we just hit it off and, you know, Max is working with him now and a bunch of other friends are. So that was another thing that kind of keeps us alive and strives me to make content as well, having his help. Do you record the talk show at his t-shirt shop or no? Um, it's in an, uh, an office building. So we rented out another office building, an office, another office in the same building, which we set up a studio in. Oh, okay. Well, he does an amazing job. The set looks yeah. so beautiful. The, the edits are really nice. You have these yeah. like skits, you have bits where he kind of segments what the next um, uh, part of the show is about with those little title cards. It's all really yeah. nice. And, and that was one of the things I really wanted to ask you was just, it seems like so much work goes into cold ones. You know, Matt and I can tell you that we, for season two of the Create Unknown, we turned some cameras on. Uh, you know, I built a set, we had a TV mm. wall. And we just had one static shot. That was it. It was one camera pointed, you know, directly at the two of us with the guest in the middle on the TV wall. And just doing that, you would think, okay, going from audio to video will be like twice as much work. It was like eight times as much work to do video, okay? And it was nothing compared to the complexity of cold ones. So... How many other people do you have working on that show? Um, we just have Scott working behind the camera, and then we have another cameraman that holds the roaming camera. That's it. Um, and it makes it complicated. It really does, because if there's a problem, if one of the audio cuts out, which has happened in the past, if a camera goes flat, if a camera overheats and stuff like that, it's now out of sync. Um, so, like... You know, you'll see us recording, getting drunk and talking stuff, but for like the two or three hours that we're recording for, it's Scott just running backwards and forth across the office, like 
checking cameras, checking audio, getting us drinks and everything. Um, I recently hired an assistant um, just to help with stuff as well. So she helps run errands and clean up the mess and get us drinks as well. So that's been a big help. But like, yeah, like we don't have a lot of people and that just comes down to where we live as well. Like we can't, it's really hard to find like an audio producer or someone like that to help us out with the show because we, you know, we live in Australia. If it was in LA, it'd be a different story, but you know, for now it's just us. And if you haven't watched an episode of Cold Ones, this notion of, oh, somebody gets us drinks, that, that that's not like, you know, a, a butler bringing in tea once a day. The amount of drinking that happens on this show is is shocking. I don't want to say appalling because it's awesome. And I don't want to use a word like appalling to describe something that's awesome. Uh, but just, just keeping the drinks going for like three people, maybe you've got two guests. So you max and then whoever else, like it's kind of a constant churn, isn't it? It's, it is a chore to have someone constantly like checking on drinks, clearing the table, making the shot look nice and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that was why I hired the assistant because she also helps make, we make a mess as well. We're all drunk, belligerent, spilling drinks. Um, we did actually have a, a conversation recently where we like we looked at some footage because we filmed recently with um, I won't say who actually, but we filmed with someone and the recording went for like four hours and like by the end of it we were like we're fucked. Um, <laughs> and we, we're looking at the footage. We're like the last two hours of this footage like isn't usable. We're like we're all way too drunk. So that's when we had the conversation of like. We need to structure this a little bit better. Maybe not so drunk. Not just because it ruined the show. We've we fucked up a lot with the show by getting too drunk. We honestly have. Um, and that just boils down to like not worrying about sticking to a script. We're just doing what we like and having fun. Um, so we, we had a conversation recently where we're like, we're limiting the drinks. Instead of 20 drinks, we'll have 10. Um, <clears throat> so, and we're just going to structure it better. The, the show's about to undergo, like, undergo a full overhaul and we've got an editor now as well that helps us with stuff which has been a big load off scott's back and um our editor's fucking great and he's been working with us for months now and he's got it down to a t so shout out to prezzo he's been doing a really good job on not only editing the videos because we don't just do podcasts on there anymore but also working on the on cold ones but in what way does getting too drunk make the show bad you just are just so incoherent that there's nothing even entertaining about it like what what happens what goes wrong um three things um you know obviously there's stuff we shouldn't say on camera that's either private or just very offensive and you know when you're with your friends drinking you just go off filter um you know so we we either say things that can be like can be offensive to some people even if that's not our intentions at all um, but you know, it's 2020 people online just find a reason to get upset and also just stuff that we shouldn't say. Like we say a lot of stuff where we look back at it and we're like, oh, we don't want our viewers to know about that. Or I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book and so is Max and they know the most part about who we are and what we do and stuff like that. But there's some things that, you know, as a YouTuber, you just want to keep private, you know, also the guests as well. The guests will get drunk and say something they shouldn't say. And we'll send them the footage to review and they're like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that about my recent run-in with the law, um, which was our last <laughs> guest, Rucker Rucker. We had Rucker Rucker. We had to cut out a bit because they were talking about they have they have charges for um, a prank they did, which wasn't a prank, but they're uh, they're on probation because of it. But they spoke about that, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't think our lawyer would like us talking about that." Can we cut that? So it's not going to be an asset. It may not be hugely damaging, but in no way is this going to help anything. 
Yeah, exactly. And even just people getting self-conscious as well, like looking at the footage, like, oh, I was too drunk when I said that. Like, I don't, and we respect our guests that we have on. We're not just going to upload crap without, you know, them reviewing it first. So, um, out of, out of the one hour of footage you see, we sometimes film for like three hours and that's all just cut down. And then do you, do you all go out afterwards or are you all just so drunk? You basically, oh no, we like, all go, we all go out. Go we all go out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Depends. Like sometimes we film really late, but if we film, we finish like at 11 midnight, then we're like, I know a pub and we show up to a pub and we have a really nice local bar here that we like to go drink at after we record. And like, we'll just go in there and drink and sing karaoke and eat food and have fun so we usually go out afterwards and how has being in australia hurt in your ability to get guests because i got to imagine that it's difficult for you to 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 get people into that studio right yeah it is um we we definitely cripple the show by wanting it to look nice and wanting to do it on the set um and getting guests in is fucking hard but as of recent well not recently because of covid but before that we had a lot of people flying in for events and stuff like that so getting guests wasn't too hard but when we originally started the show we went to america and filmed four episodes we filmed one with michael reeves jack's films um gus johnson and was it only three actually yeah it might have only been three so we went to america and we filmed some and then we also went to the UK and from one with PewDiePie. So we were, we're up for traveling just sometimes it gets a bit difficult, but um, after COVID's finished, we do plan on going to America and setting up a proper cold one set in LA and just filming a bunch while we're there over the course of a couple months. Oh, wow. So you're going to set up shop in LA for a couple of months. Yeah. I'm in talks at the moment with an alcohol company in America, a very big one. Um, and we're going to set up a studio and it's going to be called cold ones X the alcohol company we're working with and they're going to pay for our flights airbnb guest flights i'm going to set up everything in la and we're going to stay there for go there one for one month come back in a couple more months or whatever and we're going to film a bunch out of la i think and who set up that relationship did you put that together Uh, i have a friend that i work with for brand deals and stuff like that and he got me in contact and you know we've been in talks for it for a little while um it's a slow process but We've been working it out as we go, um, and we're just it's all now coming to light. But then recent events happen, so it's kind of slowed it down a little bit. This is something that comes up in you know, you know seminars for people who are kind of beginning and others who are at that point where they're making a bit of money, but they're not, they haven't really flipped the switch on making this a career or, you know, you're talking about having a staff of a few people and you've got a real operation going, right? They're mm-hmm. not quite there yet. And there's this there's this fear of if I'm too edgy or I'm too, you know, I deviate too much from the mean, I'm not going to be able to make a sustainable thing. I'm not going to be able to make enough money to pay these people or to pay high enough quality people. Right. And you know, your stuff is not what most people would say is brand friendly. Right. Mm. Uh, So it's actually, it's, it's been really cool to see, uh, what you've put together and how it's sustainable when, when you're, you're doing stuff that, that most, uh, most people would think brands wouldn't touch. Well, they obviously do. It's just got to be the right brands, huh? Um, I think because of the professionality and the quality of the show, um, like if we were filming from our bedroom on webcams and we're drinking and we're saying the shit we're saying, it just come off as just completely fucked. But because we're in a studio with producers, good audio and it's high quality, 
you can say stuff that you know it's it's more likely to be received as a joke that's just that's the harsh reality of it there's some stuff that i say on that show that's left in that if i just said sitting at my on my webcam on stream at home that like people would freak out but because it's in a professional setting in a studio with a bunch of people around me it's it's do you know what i mean like there's the the joke is received much better because of the professionality of the show and it's not just us setting that example, even in the past with other talk shows and even on TV and stuff like that, the Eric Andre show, anything like that, all these people would just say flat out, just fucked jokes, edgy jokes that are just hilarious. In my opinion, that's my humor. And it's received well by the audience because it's a stand up show. It's in front of like comedians as well doing their comedy shows. We'll talk, we'll joke about, you know, like rape, school shootings and all this just uh, religion, all this just really harsh stuff that you'd never say in a million years on a YouTube video. But because it's in front of people in a professional setting, it's just received well. Like people like this is offensive and edgy, but it's clearly a joke. And there's stuff we've cut from the show and there's stuff that we don't say that we might have said, you know, 10 years ago, obviously, because times do change. Um, but when we go to brands and we explain that to them and they come to us with some sort of concern, like you said this here and like that could not be received well, I explained to them, I'm like, it's a joke. You know, we do it for the reaction. Nothing we say carries any weight and we've explained that to people. And it kind of sucks that we have to explain that now because just the times that we're in, but for the most part, brands understand and they accept what we're doing. But it's amazing how much it helps to be in that professional setting though you're right because i hadn't thought about it in the context of like perhaps you and max just being in your bedroom for example and a brand would look at that and be like well this is just some kind of low rent thing whereas you're working with scott who is making you have this set and it looks beautiful and it's lit really nice and you have this background and you have a couple of cameras and you're cutting back and forth and Mm. you have graphics and all of a sudden from an outsider's perspective, they look at that. And even though the show is about you guys just getting as wasted as possible, um, under other circumstances, that would look pretty unprofessional um, with kind of like the sheen that you're able to put on it and the packaging you're able to put on it. All of a sudden, you can approach a legitimate alcohol brand and say, hey, you want to work with us on this show? And they look at it and they say, yeah, I mean, I ran into a a situation last year where I I won't say who I was potentially going to work with, but they took a look at uh, one one video that I sent them and I shot it in my backyard. I mean, I Mm. shot a a lot of videos in my backyard. I don't have a studio. I have a backyard. So I shot in my backyard. You can say what the video was, though, that that the example was. I mean, you were cooking lamb brains in your backyard. Wasn't that the backyard one? (laughs) No, 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 no. The the video was the chronesthesia one. It was the invention of science fiction. It wasn't the zombies brain one. Oh, okay. It was the time travel one. Um, So I sent that to them because I'm really proud of that video. There's great research on that video. I think the narrative is really good. However... I shot it in my backyard next to a quote unquote time machine that was like a kid's tent rocket ship that I bought off of Amazon. Like it looked very cheap. And Mm. the person who was reviewing this and potentially deciding whether or not to work with me on a video thought it was cheap and thought it was Mm. pretty much just like low rent garbage. And guess what? We we didn't work together. So yeah. That kind of thing really has a tremendous impact that I don't really think a lot of people think about too often. 
yeah, not not a lot of people take that into fact uh, into consideration, factor in that. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like pitching our show with the professionality and the high quality that it has has been made getting brand deals a lot easier. Um, the only time we've been rejected from a brand deal was just was and like I was so surprised and I won't say what it was. But it, they found an old video that Max featured in where he said some offensive words. Which is weird because there's a lot more fucking clips of me saying offensive stuff, but <laughs> that was like the only time because I get the people that we were talking to and we were in cahoots with about the show were like very PC. Um, and even they even like had a converse, in conversation with us where they were like, um, could you not do this for this episode if you're working with us? And I was like, you don't want me to scale beers? I'm like, that's kind of like what I do every episode. <laughs> so that's just also an example of like, I could have, you know, said to them, sorry, I won't scale a beer. I could have really maybe convinced them into sponsoring the episode. But at that point, I'm compromising the show for money, which I would never, ever, ever do. Well, I wait. think this is a really important point. Uh, like generally though, what what both of you guys are saying is that you can kind of make anything work if you sell it. You know, and mm. it, with that professionalism aspect, I think there's even more to it than that, where you're selling it with the aesthetic that you've put together, with the set that, that you've put together, with the two cameras set up, with the really good editing. There's this element of, of seriousness that goes with that professionalism, and it just sells this stuff that otherwise people might not buy. And, you know, Kevin has that example where, um, for whatever reason, that that concept you know wasn't wasn't sold to that very stuffy person as i was wondering what example you were going to bring up after you did now i remember what it was and it was just a, a fit that that wasn't you know it wasn't a fit um but but yeah you can kind of get away with anything if you sell it like wholeheartedly yeah, yeah. it's just um as well as that like the rates for ads for youtubers are really low like if you're they're like you know a commentary channel or someone that films from a bedroom like i i've heard conversations from people where they tell me how much they get paid and we're like getting one third of their views i'm like we're getting paid three times that so as well as that with the quality you can also ask for more money and i think that's where tv and tv ads are coming to play you hear about how tv shows get the same amount of views as regular youtubers but they get paid a hundred times the amount of money for like an ad on like Conan or whatever, or whatever for a late night show. And I think also that comes into like, well, it's a professional show with a professional set studio employees and stuff like that. A brand is going to want to pay more money to have their ad on this show rather than your YouTube channel where you're talking about how so-and-so cheated on his girlfriend or so-and-so's girlfriend has an OnlyFans or something like that. It's funny you bring that up because I was thinking about that recently in relation to Hot Ones, <laughs> your your counterpart on Cold Ones, Hot Ones. For the because- record, we <laughs> asked Sean Evans as well because like that was another thing that before I named the show that I was like, I can't call this Hot Ones, Cold Ones because, you know, it's a blatant just copy. And I, I did. And then I was like, I won't copy the logo. And then he hit me up after the first episode. He's like, I love the show. And I was like, can we rip off your logo? And he was like, Yes, you can. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" We come on our show, and he's like, "Yes." I'm like, "Yeah." Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, that that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But they went from YouTube to TV. Now, yes. Hot Ones has a TV show, I believe, on True TV. It seems to be on all the time, which which leads me to believe that it's doing very well and being received 
very well. But clearly, they were, are on top of the YouTube world. I mean, they mm. have A-list celebrities on their YouTube channel. However, they still went to TV. And you got to imagine, I mean, I got to imagine, it's just because of what you're talking about. Like, it doesn't even matter if you get 10 million views on your Gordon Ramsay Hot Ones episode, you could probably get a tenth of that on your Hot Ones TV show and get paid a hundred times what you've made on and in AdSense on YouTube. Exactly. Right? That was that that would have been one of the contributing factors to them dipping their toes into mainstream television. And they work with like um, you know, they have talent agencies and stuff like that that work with, you know, celebrities that have TV shows and ha- and stuff like that. So of course the first thing those talent managers are going to say when they're bringing in Gordon Ramsay and stuff like that, like, do you want to make your own TV show as well and bring more of these TV celebrities onto it rather than bringing them onto the YouTube channel? And they, like, of course, a hundred percent. But I think it's only a hundred percent if it's like, well, because we're going to pay you this, this much more because oh, otherwise, yeah. you know, you could do your show on YouTube with no gatekeepers, with no network. You don't have to, you know, listen to anybody's feedback or, or you know, cut this and, and, and have this guest on because, you know, we need to promote the next season of, of our show here on True TV. Yeah. So you have to have them on Hot Ones. You know that, I mean, maybe in their contract, they got rid of that sort of stuff to some extent. But at the end of the day, you're still beholden to a network on TV and on YouTube, yeah. you are not. So there yeah. has to be some sort of take in order for that give. And uh, I'm guessing it's green. Yeah, money. Money does talk. But, I mean, I think people wouldn't care as much if it compromised the original YouTube show, but it didn't compromise it, and it's a completely different concept and a completely different show. So that's why people were rushing to see the TV show, because they were like, we love this show online, let's see how it transitions to TV. And I've seen a couple of the episodes, and I think it transitioned quite well. And, you know, by the quality of the show, A, they've got a lot of money to spend, and B, they're probably paying everyone a lot of money that's involved. Yeah. It's money great to lit. see. At, at the end of the day, like, I'm extremely happy, extremely happy for Hot Ones because I'd love to see more success stories of people going from YouTube to traditional media because I think it would help the ecosystem as a whole, at yeah. least in terms of just it's what you were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, which is what you see in the news all the time about YouTube mm. and about YouTubers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Another YouTuber that's getting a TV show recently, well, has had TV shows is like Tanamogu has had like tw- like some dog shit garbage re- reality TV show. <laughs> but it's like, she's not the, like, yeah, Hot Ones isn't the first people to transition over to it. Epic Mealtime had a cooking show as well. Yeah. Um, that, I don't know if their show worked out or not, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, do move into it because the money's there. Whether it works out or not for them is, you know down to a game of odds and whether the content's good enough. But, you know, a lot of people have dipped their toes in it. It's worked out and it hasn't worked out. You're intensely interested in the business side of all of, all of this stuff. And it, it, the contrast between uh, how analytical you are with it and your level of expertise with it, it's almost like there are two chads to, you know, anybody who's followed along with you where you've got, like mogul Chad, who's who's on top of all of this stuff and thinks about it very, very deeply and strategically. And then there's Chad that that like we've seen throw up several times, has a, the PewDiePie tattoo and breastfed Max. 
So like, how do you, <laughs> how do you, <laughs> he's just, so, he's just, he's just so nonchalantly ended that sentence. I, it happened. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> but, but how do you reconcile these two things? And is, is, are there any problems with that? Like, does it annoy you when, when somebody thinks of you as the wrong chat at the wrong time? Like, how, do, how does this how do these two very different things come together to be the Chad? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you know, I surround myself. It's not just me as well. Like I surround myself with people like Scott and Max and I, I'd honestly say Scott and Max know a lot more than me. And I, I, I've learned a lot from them and I'm sure they've learned a lot from me, but like, you know, the, there's an entertainment side in everyone and that's where we started. And when we flick on that camera, you know, a part of us comes out that wants to be entertaining and wants to put on a good show for people. And we do amplify ourselves and our personalities to put on for a show. But like, you know, when the cameras are off, some people are different. We're not completely different. We're still the same people. We just dialed down a little bit. But yeah, I, I took an interest in the business side of stuff a long time ago. Um, I do get frustrated when some people don't realize, you know, that... I'm not just some belligerent idiot that funnels alcohol into my stomach and, you know, sleeps with a different girl every week. Um, but like, you know, there is a business. You're not side just of that. Yeah, you I'm didn't not say you that. weren't that. You said you're not just that. I'm not just that. I'm not denying the first half. Um, you know, um, I think the only frustrations come from my friends um, when I'm trying to be serious with them. Um, and they're just like, I guess they, they don't because, you know, like you said, there is two sides to me and they don't really transition into that side. And when they don't and they, they you know, they think I'm just fucking around and they think they're kidding with me, it kind of frustrates me a little bit. But, you know, after I get a bit angry at them and I say something, they kind of realize that I want to be serious. As far as like outsiders and people on the internet, ah, I couldn't give a shit. They're not my, they're not people I see every day and work with, so... I, you know, perceive me how you want to perceive me. And if you know me outside of that, then that just shows that we're friends and we've connected. It's Does funny. That make sense? To, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it reminds me similarly to a conversation we had with our last guest last week, uh, the happy console gamer, Johnny Millennium, where he was talking about in, in, in kind of a similar way that he's not just this video game obsessed, like, video game hoarder materialistic guy you know he flat out was like i do this for youtube and i do this because i'm passionate about it but at the at the end of the day what's you know important to me is my wife and my family and that mm. sort of thing and and i see that permeate a lot with youtubers where they do get successful being this one persona but that's not the you know the 360 of their lives and it also reminded me that David Letterman was notorious about this. David Letterman is somebody who is widely considered one of the funniest talk show hosts of, of all time. I mean, especially his work on late night uh, in the 80s uh -huh. was really, really revolutionary for network comedy. But I say he was notorious because apparently, I don't know, never met the guy. He was he's like the biggest curmudgeon, like the like the quietest most like genuinely kind of annoyed at people <laughs> person in the world. Meanwhile, he's like one of the most successful talk show and interview and, you know, like interpersonal communicators in the world. And as soon as the cameras are off, it's like, don't even look at me because I hate all yeah. of you. <laughs> I, I feel like sometimes that can just stem from B 
being in the entertainment industry for so long and having to be constantly switched on and kind of be this beacon of energy. Um, Because, like, I'm the same sometimes, not all the time. Like, I have my moments. I think everyone does. But I think when you've been, you know, like David Letterman, when you've been doing it for... How long has he been fucking doing his show for? Over 30 years? Yeah, he's been retired for a while now, but... Yeah, yeah. but he had that Netflix show. Yeah. Yeah. Does he still do that? I don't know. But when when you have to constantly be switched on for so many years, like, at some point... And people are perceiving you like that, this high energy person. You're just going to be like, I want to sit back and relax now. The cameras are off. I'm reflecting. I'm thinking. Um, I've had run-ins like that, actually, where I'm I'm, I'm out with some friends. Because, like, you know, I, although, like, I'm very recognizable, I don't mind meeting people. But, like, I'll be at a pub or a restaurant or something like that with a lot of people. And people recognize me and they'll come up. And they'll be like, skull this beer. And I'll be like, oh, not tonight, man. Just a casual <laughs> night. And they're like, come on, bro. You'd like, you'd love to party. I'm like... Yeah, on camera, but like, you know, <laughs> you know, but I'm here with some friends and we're just drinking and we're shooting the shit and we're playing, talking about video games and stuff like that. You know, it's at some point you need to step back and just be like, I want to relax. Is sculling a beer crushing a beer can on your skull? Sculling a beer is sculling it. So what do you guys call it? Chugging a beer. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was smashing it on your head <laughs> or no, just chug- chugging it. Chugging okay. a beer. Got it, got it. But I want to point something out to the to the people listening who who don't uh, make videos, for example, who don't stream, who don't have that that portion where they have to be switched on. Because this is something that you two know exceptionally well. You have a lot of experience with this. I don't because I'm relatively new to uh, doing anything that's not behind the scenes. And one of the hardest things for me is to get in a mindset and a mode. Like when we re, uh, record the podcast, um, I can't just switch on and do it. Like I have to, I have to caffeinate like mad. So I, I, uh, don't just sit there and, and kind of mumble, you know, and I've seen Kevin so many times in person and, uh, and making videos where like, dude, you could get out of bed 30 seconds ago. And if somebody says cameras on go, you can snap into it. I can't do that. And I don't think people understand and appreciate how hard it is to snap in and snap up to that high energy, uh, that high energy thing that people like, then maintain it and then come down from it. Like it's, it's really weird before uh, Chad, when we were waiting for you to come on, you know, I'm telling Kevin, like, God, I I'm dying here. I'm, I'm so tired. I just had a rock star and a V8 energy juice because I'm 91 years old. <laughs> and you know, I'm like, I need this just so I can be normal, you know, it, but that's the kind of thing that is <laughs> an <Sorry>. incredible talent. <laughs> I'm just thinking of you like, I'm just thinking of you with like one of those those like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday like pill containers. Just I have two and of all them. his juices. He has. Yeah. Oh my god! I have two because that way I can only refill it every 28 days. Yeah. No, I have two of those, man. And I today I switched out. I'm on the second half of of my 28 day cycle. But yes, Kevin, I do have one of those <laughs> with your fish oils uh, and your beta carotene. <laughs> I have I have fish oil. I have zinc. Uh, I yeah, it's it's as bad as you. You can't hate this. a man for looking after himself. No, I'm not hating. <laughs> just laughing. There's a difference. <laughs> 
No, but seriously, it's something that uh, is really tough to do. And so I imagine like when you talk about uh, snapping into this thing and then you, you want to relax and hang out and people don't understand that you just don't necessarily, you know, be, be that person all the time. I think that comes to just practice being able to turn on like that. Um, I definitely have my days. It's not just like, you know, I can't imagine the amount of times where Max and I have gotten together, like, let's record a vid. And we've both gotten there, like, not feeling it. We'd never force it. That's just another thing. Like, we're very just stubborn people as well. We're just like, don't want to force it. I don't want to sit here for three hours recording something that I know that I'm not going to be good at. So... Instead of turning the cameras on, let's sit back, have a drink, play some video games. Because we meet once a week. That's like, you know, our ritual for we're either filming or hanging out. Like, but yeah, it comes with practice. If you want to switch on and you're used to doing it, you'll you'll get a knack for doing it. But then there's just some days where it ain't happening. It, it seriously ain't happening. I did that to myself this morning when I woke up. I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, and you know, I was throwing up, had morning sickness. But as soon as I got over that little hump, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. How do you prevent yourself from falling into the, eh, I don't feel like it too many times? Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you're, I understand what you're saying, that you, you don't want to force it. But at the same time, I think, is there a line between, eh, I don't feel like it uh, and, wow, I still don't feel like it. And uh, I, <laughs> it's been three weeks and I, I really don't feel I, like it I still? think I, th- I think if we ever get to the point or I ever get to the point where I'm like, it's going on four weeks. Ah, I don't feel like it. I'm going to be like, ah, I'm looking for another career path because obviously I'm not happy. Um, and I love what I'm doing now. Um, so that's not any sort of hint at I'm, you know, steadying towards fucking doing something else. But there are, there are days where like, you just don't want to do it. You know, whether it's your dream job or not, there's some days you just don't want to work. And yeah, I, I think if it was ever transitioning into the point where I was like coming on a month where I'm like, ah, I don't want to record. I'm either boiling it down to like, I've got something wrong. I'm depressed. I'm sad about something, which has happened before. I work on fixing myself before uploading another video. Or if that's not the reason, I just don't like what I'm, I'm not passionate about what I do anymore. That's when I venture into doing something else. And, you know, I study and uh, I've, you know, got an education, or at least somewhat of an education. So I know if YouTube never works out, I can venture into doing other things. Um, I've always dreamed of opening my own bar um, or just even what I'm doing now as a side gig. You know, I help out my friends with brand deals and stuff like that. I'd like to maybe venture into working with an agency or owning an agency myself that pitches brands to YouTubers. You also dabbled in opening an orphanage. I mean, you fostered a young man named a young boy named Too Mad starting in the fall. He was a foster child of yours, wasn't he? I've had many foster children come with my house. I had Dolan Dark come stay with me. I've had Two Mad stay with me for three months. I had Colossal is Crazy come stay with me for months. I had had a basic living with me, but it was basically him staying with me and me looking after him for ages. Um, yeah. I don't know why I let people into my house for extended periods of times. <laughs> it's really hard to say no to my friends. Um, I don't mind it, though um it's good to have company but i think that's also just comes down to the people that have lived with me i also people that haven't lived out of home before so having them with me and kind of teaching them and showing them how to cook and clean is kind of it feels good to be able to teach someone that but again i think it's remarkable that your persona online is anything for views and it's this very you know debaucherous kind of thing where you will do anything for views that's the name meanwhile 
you're the most responsible one out of all of your friends and you're like helping them get on their feet and you give them a place to live and you show them the ropes of like taking care of themselves. Like that's a pretty remarkable distinction. I think that just comes from I moved out of home at a very young age. Not not because of anything bad, not because of family problems. I just uh, actually the only problem was uh, I wanted better internet because we live pretty far out of the, out of you know the town or the city that I was growing up in at the time. So I wanted to move out at a very young age just so I could have better internet and kind of my own place. Um, and yeah, I've been out of home now for ten years. I haven't lived at home, so and I'm 25 now. Um, so, so yeah, you didn't I didn't have know. to figure that stuff out pretty early. Um, mm. Matt, what were you gonna say? Oh, I just I just love this idea of the anything for views home for wayward YouTube boys. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. I like I'm seeing the sign, you know, when this when the show starts and there's this well manicured lawn with a very like beautifully institutional sign, you know, leading up to the brick building. Like I want to see that on the sign as as the camera <laughs> pans into the grand entrance to this this orphanage. I actually I unironically have like a a dream of having like a YouTube team of people that I can look after and I can manage. Um, when I'm a little bit older, like 30, I think I'd want to do that. That's actually unironically like a dream of mine to like bring some guys that are 18 into like a nice YouTuber group. And, and I've seen my friend do it uh, with the misfits. So my friend Ryan P who was a pretty well put together guy and a little bit ahead of the curve for his age, took a bunch of YouTubers that fresh out of home and put them into a house and stuff like that and kind of taught them the ropes um so yes. yeah it's it, something the, i really want to do in the morning you can teach them the difference between a traditional ira and a roth ira and how to invest and then by the <laughs> evening you can teach them how to skull a beer yeah exactly show them how to drink and show them how to wash their fucking sheets <laughs> one of the biggest pet peeves i had when living with anyone was like they would never wash their sheets i'm like you were sleeping in your dead skin man come on wash the goddamn sheets how often should a, a YouTuber or anybody else wash their sheets? What's optimal sheet washing? Like, I want to know. Once I want to know the chance on this. Once a week. So it's okay to sleep in six days of skin, but not eight days. Nah, after eight days, it gets a little bit gross. I sleep with a dog as well, so I have to wash mine every like three or four days. Kevin, how often do you wash your sheets? Once a week. Are you just saying that because now you know it's the rule? No, no. It seems like that is the rule. I. How often do you wash your sheets? Until now, I didn't realize you were supposed to wash them. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> your sheets are just like a crust that's over your mattress. <laughs> I will say that there are two sheet washing regimens. When when uh, Mo is here, there's uh, I'd say it would probably be acceptable to you to, you know, how often the sheets get washed and, and all of that. When it's just me... I mean, if you have a, a sizable enough bed, I have a, you know, like a California king. That's really two beds. I mean, if, if you go a week on one side, you can roll over to the clean side and get at least another week. That is so that, is, that is actually true. When I broke up with my girlfriend, because I have a king bed too. When I broke up with my girlfriend, I found myself sleeping on the other side of the bed for the first three nights and then rolling over to the other side and going, this one is much cleaner. That's right. That's right. See... There are a lot of ways around this, so there are exceptions to that rule, but once a week seems good. Did you have any specific people who jumped, like, throw somebody under the bus here. Who was the worst on sheet watching of, of your wayward boys? Oh, Tumad. Tumad was the, 
18 year old fresh out of home filthy person i've lived with and like honestly it wasn't (laughs) that bad it really wasn't that bad but i'm a cunt and like i'm like if there's a cup in the sink like i'm flipping shit you know and i i had at my old place that we lived in i had cleaners that used to come once a fortnight and do dusting vacuuming and mopping and stuff like that just stuff that i couldn't be bothered doing so you know when too mad would you know start in the uber eats bag mountain in his yard and and in his bedroom (laughs) you know sitting you're wearing the same pair of socks for three days in a row and hasn't washed his sheets in a month like I can, I, it doesn't smell bad, but I can smell it. You know, I'm like, I'm like, it smells funny in here. Why is there rotting Uber Eats bag subway in the corner of the room? Like, why are you, why is that? Well, why can't I see the floor? It's all closed. Like, Too Mad was absolute hell to live with. It wasn't that bad, but to me, it was. Like, to me, it was like, and like, you, if you ever speak to him, you can ask him. Like, I yelled at him a lot. I yelled at him a fucking lot. Do you feel like he left the house, though, in a better place than he came in? That's the important part. Oh, he cleaned it before he left, yeah. He just had a a little nasty grace period. I think everybody's allowed that, for sure. Um, (laughs) We want to get uh, into some questions from our community that they want to ask you. But before we do that, I've always wanted to ask, uh, you're the first Australian that we've had on the show. And I happen to be of the opinion that Australians are hilarious. Just so funny. So many of the people who I love to follow on Twitter are Australian. Um, Australian humor. Where does it come from? Why are Australians so naturally funny? We're just offensive, I think. Is I that literally all it just is? think I I think it's just we're offensive. I don't know. Uh, that's my opinion. I've I've kind of explained this a little bit to about the culture to people, but like we say a lot of stuff that like could be be perceived other places as like really rude or really offensive, but. Here, people don't care enough. It's the culture. Um, I don't know if it's because we've got so many different nationalities here. Because Australia, if you haven't been here, is very multicultural. Like it's, it, we've got people from all over the world here. So yeah, I just think it's about people not giving a fuck. I think Say about what- Chris Lilly uh, and the shows that he's done, where he's done. You know, he's had characters in like of all ages, and he's been a high school girl, and he's been uh jonah from tonga uh and he's just had like this long list of of characters that probably wouldn't have flown with Chappelle show let alone anything uh more recent than that and that that to me was the wake-up call when i first saw uh jamay high school girl you know i was like Mm -hmm. oh this is this is like the last surviving bastion of of properly offensive humor that that people are still okay with yeah people only recently have started criticizing him like uh like 10 years down the track for like jonah from tonga because he played uh an islander and people were like it's blackface and i was like man you don't have to twist it into something that bad he's just portraying a stereotype um so yeah and i guess it just once again just boils down to australians just not being giving a fuck because i remember when that aired when i was young it was one of the biggest tv shows any kid would ever watch that was like that was something i grew up on that was something that helped me build my humor i don't i don't know if it's just offensive though i think there's a a, a, like a tinge of surreal as well and and the reason i say that is because there's a comedian who i love who's australian ed atlin do you know ed atlin yes i do Ed Atlin is not offensive, really, but I mean, he does kind of swear a lot, I guess, but 
it's not shocking, really. It's not mm. offensive, really. But it is weird. <laughs> it's some of the weirdest stuff. His Moonface cartoon, uh, if anybody um, hasn't seen that, just look up Ed Atlan Moonface. It, it really kind of makes no sense, like, at all. It, it's just pure creation from, like, whatever... Like weird <laughs> mystic universe Ed Atlan can access that the rest of us cannot. But that just seemed to me like another bit of kind of unique Australian humor. I never have seen anything like that come out of America or, or even out of England. I think a lot of Australian comedians as well transition into doing, to living and moving to America and doing snap in front of America. I think Americans absorb it really well because they're like, <sighs> well, fuck, no one would say that here, or no one's done that here, and it, it's a completely different realm. A massive comedian was, um, why am I strapped for his name? Who did the fucking gun talk? Um, oh, why can't I remember his name? Australian Jim, comedian. Jim, Jim Jeffries. Yes. Mm, yeah. Because he went from doing stand-up shows in Australia and then had just the massive wide success in America, just some ridiculous explosion because of you know, his offensive nature and his direction towards telling jokes and comedy, because he would joke about everything and he'd get a lot of slack for it too. Um, and one of the big ones was religion. He'd really take the piss out of religion and the audience and the crowd would think it was funny, but perceived online and from people that weren't familiar with his stuff took it very offensively. And there were times where he was even threatened, you know, because of it. That's another good example, though, of things being not in their proper context, though, I yeah. think, is when you see like clips from stand-up shows leaked, or or even if you like read a bit written out that was in a oh, stand-up that, that act, sounds terrible. It, it mm. sounds like the most offensive yeah. thing you would ever, uh, you know, deign to put your eyes upon. But within the context of a, a nightclub or a stand-up club, a comedy club, in that moment, it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And that context is so important. I just uh, have this just belief of if I see something that, and I have where I've seen it online, a joke or something where I've gone, that's not funny um, or that's a bit fucked up. I always think to myself, like, I don't know this person. I don't know what they're, you know, I don't know if it's coming from a different place. I don't know the backstory to it. To it, so I always just leave it to the reactions of people that might follow that person, and I'm like, okay, well, com you know, comedy's subjective, and although I might not find it funny, someone else did, as long as it's not harboring hate or isn't putting it to a direction to put other people down. I don't see the harm in it. Yeah, I think giving stuff like that the benefit of the doubt is probably wise. Uh, Matt, yeah. do we have questions for Chad from the Baby Gang and and the like? We do have questions. We have questions from the baby gang and the infantry. And uh, you've actually, Chad, you've answered a couple of them uh, without even trying. So, so I have to, I have to edit here as I, as I look through. Yeah, uh, I one guess. is, is from uh, Boromir who I have to alter this because he wanted to know what's the last thing that you ate, but we know it was toast. Uh, I'm going to say, what was the last thing that you ate that you kept down? Um, <laughs> What did I have for dinner last night? I cooked for dinner last night. Um, I seasoned uh, salmon in a lime and barbecue sauce, and I cooked hey. it in my broiler, and then I made garlic prawns and coconut rice to go with it. Whoa. That's, that's amazing. That's epic meal time there, isn't it? 
I do like cooking. That's another good like thing about me that I love doing. God. Yeah, Too Mad still gets Uber Eats every yeah, well, 14 hours. To, when when he was living with me, I wasn't cooking that much because we were on the grind at the office setting up the studio and getting like a format in place. So at the time, Too Mad was just a resident in my home that I would see when I'd come home from a day at the office. <laughs> so, so Isaac has a couple questions. Uh, one of them is favorite channel to watch when you're bored. Hmm. I'll I'll give two answers to that because there's, uh, there's two different moods. Um, I follow a lot of World of Warcraft lore um, channels. Oh, you can't really see, but you know, in there I have a lot of books and stuff like that for World of Warcraft. I'm a big World of Warcraft fanatic, and I keep up to date with the lore and stuff like that. Um, and then I like to touch small channels and watch them. So another big one that I like is called Nelk Eric. He's a small YouTuber, he has about 10k subs, and he just doesn't give a fuck what he uploads. The most hilarious, funniest guy on the internet, and hopefully he gets some sort of break, because it's just dog shit, it's just garbage. He picks up the camera, harasses his mom, and makes funny videos with his mom and his dad, and just a funny guy. But I will sit down and watch a lot of small YouTubers like that, which I've found just hidden diamonds in the roughs, and I'll sit down and I'll watch them. Send us the this link next. To, to that, and we'll um, put it in in our description yeah, yeah, too, yeah. just to give. Yeah, so we can put it in the up. description. Yeah, yeah. Tweet out, etc. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is a really good one. It's also from Isaac. Uh, what is your fursona? My what fursona? Yeah. Is that even a if word? you were if you were a furry, what would what would your fursona be? A fursona like, name. Yeah, like what what type of animal would you would you be? as a furry is that a legit is that what a fursona is yeah yeah so like on fridays on twitter every friday this pops on my sidebar on twitter that it's fursuit friday and people are posting their like you know pictures with their fursuits on and i guess when when you put that on i don't know a ton about this uh but you are put you this fucking on with and, me is that really what no, fursona means yeah, like it's it's the the character you are when you're like be, being engaged in furryism. I think furries should be perched. <laughs> I don't think there's anything normal about fucking an animal. But oh <laughs> but let's say the best way to purge them would be to infiltrate the community, and to do that, you would need a fursona. <laughs> uh, I'd be some sort of fucking. Uh, I'd be a fish. I reckon. Can, can furries be fish? Well, I don't see fur. why not. I never heard of no furry fish before. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, would I think be, those are called scalies. I would be. I would be a red panda. Oh, that's a good one. Is Endangered, there a particular reason? But stupid. I don't know. Just think. I think they're a cute animal. They're pandas. You know, they roll around. They do funny. Um. That's about it. I just see myself, you know, chilling around all day, eating leaves of lettuce and hanging out in my spare time. That's that's all it is. That's cool. Nobody would dislike you as a red panda. I mean, everybody would think that was awesome. The fairies are going to have a field day with that. <laughs> the, the fan art is going to be amazing from this. Uh, <laughs> just the thought of it oh. is making me sick. <laughs> thank you thank you isaac for, for fuck you isaac <laughs> fuck you eat shit and die so so this one is is actually more serious in march um march 8th mr beast put out a tweet 
with advice for small YouTubers. And to sum it up, he said, if you're a small YouTuber, spend a lot of time thinking about the ideas um, in the time you put into filming, double that. Uh, then make a hundred videos, improve something with each video. doesn't matter what, just keep improving. And then when you're done with a hundred videos, you're going to be, you're going to be in a good place. Do you, do you think that's valid? Uh, Trev's dad asked this by the way, and I, I think it's great to get your perspective on it because you have such a different, uh, yet highly anal analytical approach I, to all of it. <laughs> I agree with it though, because you know, you're not just going to upload the first thing in your life and it's going to fucking blow up you know there's always places for self-improvement and the only way i feel like to improve on youtube is to keep trying you're gonna upload a heap of dog shit before you get a formula of what you're good at and you see with everyone go back and watch their old videos they suck but you can see with each video each one progressively gets better and better and better and better and better and there's things that you do better each video for one it could be one video the editing could be better for the next video you could be better with your dialogue and how you speak and how you script stuff each video you do if you work on them if you take criticism if you look over them again and re-watch them each time you watch a video that you have finished, you will go, I want to do that differently. You'll read a comment. You'll be like, I will do that differently. Until you have a format that works for you, not everyone is good at making gaming videos. They can be the most entertaining person in the fucking world, but they're not going to be entertaining while they play a video game. Because a portion of their brain is focusing on that. The video game, the other portion is meant to be entertaining, but you just can't split it up. Find what you're good at. And perfect it. And the only way you're going to find what you're good at and perfect it is to keep trying different things. And you will eventually find a format of who you are and what you're good at, and that will work for you. That's pretty solid. I mean, that's, it seems like a formula that, a general formula that pretty much anybody could use. Yeah. Just honestly, just upload dog shit. Keep trying. And eventually you'll find what you're good at, whether it's gaming, commentary, stand up, you know, vlogs, anything. You'll find something you're good at. And you'll, you'll excel at it and you'll blossom. And then once you've got it down pat and you've got a formula down pat, and if you have something and it's working for you, never be afraid to try different things. Because if you just stick to what you know, you're never going to learn what else you could be good at. I think that's, no great. YouTuber that's today, highlight worthy. <laughs> no is, YouTuber yeah. today will be sitting there looking at content from five years ago and looking at the content they make now, and it's the exact same thing. And the YouTubers that are still doing that, and I could give examples, but I don't want to throw people on the bus. There are YouTubers that have dwindled off into irrelevancy, and their content hasn't improved or changed over the years because they haven't adapted with their audience, and they haven't adapted with the new people that are coming in. So even if you have a formula down pat and it's working for you, don't be afraid to try new things. No one today is making the exact same stuff they were making 10 years ago. It could be in the same realm. It could be in the same gaming content, but it's a different game and it's played differently and it's edited differently and you're doing it differently. I think PewDiePie this is was a great example. Sorry, man. You had PewDiePie oh, no, on Cold Ones and he, he talked literally about this exact same thing, about his progression from going... Mm -hmm from being scared at these like horror games all the time and always having to like freak out because he was, you know, jump scared by this game to getting just sick of that and not mm. wanting to do that anymore. And then starting to do Pew news and commentary and meme review and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And this is the most successful person on the platform. So, yeah. you know, if the most successful person on this platform is doing <laughs> exactly what you just outlined, I think then perhaps it's it's pretty apt advice. Yeah. A lot of viewers as well will always go down the whole path of like, oh, do this again. This was great. 10 years ago or whatever, or five years ago, I get a lot of comments like, do another video with Ian and George and Max and all that stuff. And while we think that we could do it and it'd be great and be a great video, I, I think the stuff we make now is better. Um, and people are just trying to relive the nostalgia. The st nostalgia will be great for one or two videos, but after that, people aren't going to fucking care anymore. You know, it happened. It's in the past. Let it sit there. It's an archive. It's something that we made and we're very proud of, and it's still on the website to this day. Just, I always just say to my viewers, like, look at that of where we started to where we are now, filming in our backyard, throwing up, eating each other's pubes, to now, you know, having our own <laughs> studio and, you know, own staff and making these great videos. And even though we might upload podcasts or videos sometimes, that might not do as well as those older videos or we don't, you know, or don't get as many views as videos two or three months ago. We always look at it as we're not doing it for the views. We're uploading an archive of content that per, that shows people our envision, like our, our, our vision and shows people what we like to do and what we have fun with. And even if we just inspire one person to try do the exact same thing and try and make something else and they can archive on the internet to show their kids, their grandkids, family, friends, classmates, anything like that. We always, I always just feel like I'm happy. I feel like where I am now, I'd never envisioned me being there five here five years ago and everything I've done and everything I'm making now. I'm like, I'm very happy with that. It's an archive. It sits there. And when I die, people, it's still going to be there and people are going to be able to watch me even though I'm rotting, you know, 10 feet under the ground in some cheap casket with a tombstone that says I died at 30 from a heart attack. <laughs> that's, that's not grim at all. <laughs> it's a really hopeful, it's a hopeful message for today's youth. We've got another kind of substantial one and then a very, very quick one. Um, it it goes on what you were just talking about with working with uh, with Ian and Max and George, um, Andrew asks this, what, what was that like in terms of where you're at now and where you're, you think you're going to be in, in about 10 years? The crazy thing to me is looking back at that now. And it was kind of like a super group in music before it was a super group, you know, like in the fifties with like the million dollar quartet with, you know, Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and et cetera. It's Johnny Cash, whatever. And then like uh, the traveling Wilburys was, you know, it kind of was on that scale of like, this is the all-star team. What was, what was that like with like a hyper amount of, of talent all kind of working together? It, like, it was great, it, but I never looked at it like that. I just looked at it as these are people that are like-minded and share like, you know, the same opinions as me. And these are people I get along with. Let's whip out the camera and film some shit and upload it on the internet. And at the time of uploading it, it didn't even get that many. Like, it got views, but it's it got the same amount of views as the video I uploaded, you know, four months ago. The podcast with, you know, How to Basic that got a mil and a half. Like, that's how much the stuff got in those six-month timeframes or year timeframes. But because that's been fermenting on the internet for so long, at the time, we weren't known as this super group or these people we were still known to a very small like audience of people 
and it's just grown over time but they've rewatched old stuff like this is where it started or you know this is what it is but at the time we we never saw it as that we never had any sort of you know feedback like that it wasn't until two or three years of since we uploaded is when people started picking it up like that and putting it together like that if that makes does that make sense it makes sense in the in, when you think about it almost as like cult cult movies right mm. Where, uh, for instance, the the Big Lebowski is a really famous example of a film that did really poorly when it came out, but then over the years, all of a sudden, there are like entire festivals dedicated to the Big Lebowski. Like it just gained this cult following um, after the fact, and it seems like that's kind of like you had that or you have developed that cult following with a YouTube channel, which I think has got to be pretty rare, right? Can you think, can either of you think of other examples of YouTube videos or YouTubers that gain cult, cult-like status? Like a, like a movie does, like a Rocky Horror Picture Show or, or something like that? Not for the right reasons. I mean, it, there are some, some older people who, you know, I, I also don't want to call out people for being embarrassed and things like that. But there are some older videos, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago where now they're kind of famous and have that cult status, but not because they were good, not because they <laughs> like the person was intending to make a joke, you know, um, Chad, do, uh, can you think of any, any others that have developed uh, that status? Same as you, just not for the right reasons. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I never, I don't even, I don't watch too many YouTubers. Like I said, I watch a lot of small YouTubers now, but yeah, I don't know. I never thought of it like that. Or I mean, Misfits are kind of have a cult-like status. All these new like supergroups, uh, like you know, there's Click, which is another Australian cu- uh, crew. Um, fucking what's Jake Paul's thing? Team Ten. Like they all have one, just different audiences. Yeah. And I guess ours are just are just different. Um, but yeah, at the time it wasn't like that. At least I didn't think it was like that. If I never looked at it like that at the time, so I, I couldn't know. But as far as I'm concerned, it was like just the boys filming in the yard, getting along. And it was great to be a part of this. It was great to see what came out of it. And, you know, it's there. It's archived on the internet forever. And it's something I can look back at and be proud of. And hopefully one day it's something that I show my kids. I'm like, this is what I used to do when I was your age. <laughs> If that was some sort of catalyst or some sort of beginning to other people doing the exact same thing, I'll fucking coin it. I'll be like, yeah, I started that. And like, But what we made was just fun. We had no intentions of, you know, anything. We just got the cameras. We hung out. We made funny. And we put it on the internet. Something that we're proud of. That's cool. It sounds very wholesome and pure when you put it that way. We're rock stars, man. What can I say? We're famous. I don't know. Wholesome uh, and pure. <laughs> Oh, well, the last bar- one is barrels thrown at you in, in a pond. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last one is from uh, Monsieur Chinchilla, uh, who who wants to know, nay, needs to know, who is how to basic. Um, I didn't even know who how to basic is, man. Uh, I mean, I know who he is, but we need a name to go with the sixteen digits on the front of the card. The expiration digits and the the, the, <laughs> the three digits on the back. <laughs> How to Basic is one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And a part of me is really fucking great that he's anonymous because I have stolen so many of his jokes. 
And he can't do anything about it. (laughs) He can't do anything about it. And to this day, I will still say he is the most funniest, high energetic, hilarious person I've ever met. There's just so many things that he does that not only cracks me up, but cracks everyone up around, like around us. Up. We have the group chats that he's in where we talk to him and he tells us about his day and shit that he's doing. He's just not a normal person, but he's hilarious. He's the class clown. He's the funniest out of all of us and oh, anyone I know. And he has been a massive, massive influence on my life and has also shaped me to the humor that I have today. Do you think he's keeping a file on you, though, keeping track of all those times you've stolen those jokes? So when the reveal finally comes, there's going to be a day of reckoning for you. Are you worried about that kind of thing? No, I don't think he's organized enough to have a file. He can barely clean up after his own vids. <laughs> it's just just egg stains everywhere. There's there's some there's some videos that he films where it's like this is not cleanable. This is like in the grout of our house tiles. This is you have set the ceiling on fire. There is burn damage. Like you cannot you cannot. I remember when he set our ceiling on fire. Like we couldn't. Want, it smelled like fucking gasoline and burnt wood for like a month. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you can sc- you can scrub all you want. That smell is not coming out. <laughs> well, it's a good it's a good YouTube video and you have to literally literally replace the ceiling. <laughs> I remember I remember the day that he, that he got people off uh like um we have Gumtree, which is like Australian Craigslist to come in and repaint the ceiling. And they did the <laughs> shittest job and like the paint didn't even cover up the smell of the smoke. And we had a property inspection because we were renting it. And the, gu- and the guy that comes in inspecting is just like, why does it smell like smoke in here? And why have you repainted the ceiling? I'm like, oh, is it noticeable? And he's like, it's a completely different color. Like, they didn't even color match. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chad, thank you so much for, for waking up early. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, sticking through the toast dry heaves to hang out with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. I mean, this was a long time coming. You know, we uh, we meant to do this a long time ago. So I really appreciate the fact that we we're finally able to get together and chat. Yeah, I I was under the impression that you guys did it in person in LA. So I was kind of holding off until my next trip. But then I watched a few episodes. I'm like, oh, you guys do it from home now. Was there ever a point where you guys had a studio and we're filming it from the studio? Or no, 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 no. This um the studio uh, I just built at it was an at home studio Fine. and then um. Like I said earlier, it just was too demanding on yeah. handling the video as well as the audio. So, you know, we pulled back to just going to audio um, because, you know, you're lucky to have Scott in your life. That seems like a major, major person to find. Scott. And you better hold on to him for dear life. Yeah. Everyone that is around me, we all do a very good job working together. And honestly, I'd be lost without them. I wouldn't have the podcasts and any success that I have is mostly owed to people around me. Um, I would never take all the credit for stuff we've made and where we are today. Well, shout out to wholesome. all those people. I'm telling you, it's wholesome. Yeah, this is the most wholesome episode of the Create Unknown that we've ever done. And that's what we thought we we would have. I mean, we thought, well, let's have a long conversation with anything for views, and we're going to get the most wholesome episode out of 44 in the Create Unknown. So expectations were high, we reached them, and I'm pleased. 
We nailed it. We nailed it. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Thank you, guys. See you, Space Cowboys. We'd like to thank everybody who we talk to every day in the Discord, and especially the patrons who make this show happen. Thanks to our editor, Marcus Allen, and to associate producers Jeff Davis, Isaac Teal, Trev's Dead, James Gallagher, Baseweight, Andrew Stimson, Keaton Sample, Jesse Robertson, Boromir, Monsieur Chinchilla, Sean Malone, Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E, Menard, Monahim, Yogurt 96, Fraken, and our newest addition, Mikhail. Thank you for signing up, Mikhail. We love it. Also, thanks to baby wrangling super producer Ben Webster. Thanks as well to Paula Lieber and the stunningly gorgeous Mo Lewitt, and to our very generous sponsor of every episode, Eagle Brand Sardines. The Create Unknown is a production of Unknown Media. Okay, bye. Thank you.